Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, hey, hey. But if y'all waiting on me to apologize, hell gonna oh, freeze. Wait. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. Another episode of the Points in the Paint podcast. Stadium's NBA podcast. Ben Wittenstein with you. Zach Badgerhouse, of course, is in the house. Zach, we're excited. Playoff basketball we've been watching all weekend. It's been a lot of fun. I have watched an absurd amount of basketball this past weekend every game every single game and honestly even before we get into the individual games this has been in my viewpoint like one of the more exciting first rounds even like game ones across the board they've all been really good very good no blowouts to say the least like well some of you have gotten out of hand towards the end but for the most part i think every game was competitive at least first half at least up until like midway third quarter or whatever. Like it was pretty, pretty competitive. And I and I like that too. And we're gonna talk about an upset for a first game too between a, a eight seed and a one seed. Yeah. So you know what we we do our story of the weeks. We have our segments, you know, every week, but I think for the playoffs, <laughs> it's important. You kind of we can push the segments aside. We just might as well talk about some of these games um with, with how they happen because there was a lot of games, a lot of exciting stuff happening. So we'll just get the ball rolling here. This first series that we wanted to hit on, which in my opinion, was the biggest surprise of the week and of the weekend was the Jazz losing to the Grizzlies. And the oh, Jazz you lost. Was, oh, you thought that was a surprise. I thought I was surprised. You know, part of me, especially because I'm an idiot, I obviously bet on the grid. I bet on the Jazz. So you did. Course, wait, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Before you even continue. Yeah. You bet on the Utah Jazz without Donovan Mitchell in the game one of a playoff game. You were really relying on them threes. <laughs> See, I didn't do I didn't do the spread. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. I, I I put the money line in a parlay okay. with the Suns, which hit. Oh, so, so look at you. You just oh okay. So you just picking against Brian Brown for game one, which oh. I can understand because theoretically, you know, sometimes Brian he comes out iffy game one kind of dominates game two so i understand why you pick phoenix but back to memphis not picking memphis though (laughs) yeah but but once yeah once i saw that uh the suns won and that part of the parlay hit i immediately was like well the jazz are gonna the jazz are gonna lose tonight (laughs) because that is how that works you can't win a parlay that way you you one hit and the the jazz are gonna lose and it ended up they lost and they looked bad you know they started the game pretty well they were up, I think, eight or nine at one point in the game, and second quarter comes around, and they just look horrible. They're not matching the physicality of the Grizzlies. They're letting John Morant do whatever. Dylan Brooks playing well. Jonas Valanciunas taking advantage of Rudy Gobert. And I know, Zach, I have been huge <laughs> on Rudy Gobert this whole season, but I think now is the moment 
that you can say I told you so because yeah. he was horrible. He wasn't good. He had a few moments. I will give him some credit. He had a few moments in the game, alter shots, you know, contest shots. And, you know, they showed a stat line yesterday. He's second in contested shots per game at like 14. But he didn't do a very good job of that last night. I was very impressed with John Moran, his ability to get to the rim. He, uh, he got him a few times in terms of forcing him to miss or blocking the shot, Rudy Gobert. But for the most part, John Moran's ability to just navigate through traffic and, you know, just acrobatically finish those layups at the rim around Rudy Gobert. I mean, I was so impressed. And then, like you said, Dylan Brooks shooting lights out. Yeah. Like, he's he's on fire still, playing well he's from the last two games, the play-in game versus against the Spurs and the Warriors. So, man, I just love the way Dylan Brooks has played. Like, he's trying to earn that paycheck, if you ask me. Oh, yeah. He's playing angry, which has been really fun to watch because he is – there's some players that play angry and they're out of control and they don't look great, but Dylan Brooks is, he's got a chip on his shoulder and he was playing lights out. And that combination, backcourt, him and Ja, played terrific. And the Jazz defense looked terrible. They didn't look like they knew how to stop uh, Ja Morant from getting in the lane at all. And even down low, Valanchun is taking advantage of, of their terrible, terrible defense down low. And the Jazz clearly are a team that's missing Donovan Mitchell. Clearly a team that's missing Donovan Mitchell. That offense is not the same without Donovan Mitchell. Uh, he allows the team to really be good at three-point shots because he's very good at penetrating and getting inside mm-hmm. and getting the defense to collapse. And the Jazz just were not getting those wide-open threes as much as they are used to. And they they shot terribly for a good portion of that game. And I know, Zach, that's our what is our stat of the week already. With yeah. the Jazz. Start of the week, 32%. 13 of 47 from the three-point line. It was atrocious to really sit there and watch. Like, watching the game, like, it was so brutal. It was like, and I tweeted this last night. Uh, follow me on Twitter, Zach Badgerhouse. But I tweeted go. this last night. I said, threes are worth more than twos, but twos are better than zero. Okay, so sometimes, yeah. you know, when the shot's just not falling, you got to find another way to score. You know, pump fake, dribble drive to the lane, you know, uh, attack the basket, try to get to the free throw line. Like, try to get to the free throw line when it when the three-point shot's just not working if you're the Utah Jazz. So I think, like you alluded to, when Donovan Mitchell comes back, you know, he's not that great of a three-point shooter, but he shoots the mid-range pretty well, and he has the ability, obviously, to attack the basket. So getting those two-point shots, I think, will have greater quality looks from the three-point range for the Jazz moving forward, if that's how they want to play it. Yeah, and the news as we were recording this, or just as before we started to record this, came out that Donovan will, in fact, play in game two, which is going to be huge. Mm-hmm. And I know the line movement for that game was about eight. I think it was still the same that we saw around eight, eight and a half. Um, but now I'm, I'm guessing that line has probably moved um, a little bit more. It's Yeah, it's around eight and a half. Some places have nine. But they're responding. Listen, love the Grizzlies. And they're a really fun team. And they're yeah. a very likable bunch. I just don't know how they do against a Donovan Mitchell-led Utah Jazz. I just don't, I don't know if you're going to see the Jazz play that poorly. They shot poorly. They didn't have Donovan Mitchell. And they still only lost by three. So I, I would be concerned if I were the Grizzlies at this point. I wouldn't necessarily be concerned off the strength that they stole game one, right? So, you know, yeah. they're a team that, you know, they had they had to win a game on the road in order to, you know, win this series, and they were able to do that. So now it's like, you know, don't come in a game too, too relaxed. You know, you did steal a game, but don't come in a game too, too relaxed. Um, you know, come out and compete. 
but then expect to go back to Grand City and really win both of those games, yeah. both game three and four. So you're able to take care of business by taking one game on the road already. So now, you know, they just have to, you know, compete, play well. If they don't win game two, that's fine. The series will be tied 1-1. And then, you know, yeah, like I said, game three and four, they both have to take both of those games, if you're the Grizzlies, going into going back to Utah in game five. Yeah, so that was one of the bigger surprises of the weekend was was the Grizzlies winning game one. And, and we'll see if they can continue that dominance. I, I don't think Dylan Brooks is going to score 31 points every single game, but <laughs> if he can score in that 20 to 25 area and you got John Morant scoring in that 20 area, that's almost 50 points between the two of them in the backcourt. So that's a really, really good start mm-hmm. for that Grizzlies team. Now, the other game that I don't think was as big of a surprise as people may have thought However, the line was about minus two, and that was in favor of the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. But the way, but the way that Phoenix Suns team played, especially with a hurt Chris Paul, who clearly wasn't 100%, mm-hmm. they are going to be dangerous, Zach. They are going to be really, really dangerous. They are very deep. They are coordinated. They, mm. Devin Booker is looking like a superstar yeah, as like he's deep. coming up big in the playoffs. They're fun. The Suns are I fun. Like DB. Yeah, DB, Devin Booker, you know, 34 points debut. Playoff Suns record, you know, I was loving that. However, DeAndre Aiden, to me, I think is the story of that game because I think we talked about it before. They're only going to go as far as he goes, in my opinion, because the amount of touches he has to receive in order to take the pressure away from Devin Booker and Chris Paul, who's, you know, is going to need a lot of help now because he's going to be lingering with that shoulder injury. And so when you have all of that, he has to continue to play well, DeAndre Ayton. I think he had like 18 points and he only missed two field goals for the game. And on the other side, he did a pretty good job containing Anthony Davis, a top yeah. five player in the NBA. And Anthony Davis said it himself. If I continue to play this way, we're not going to win a game, let alone a series. So, yeah. you know, I'm looking forward to game two to see how they bounce back the Lakers. That was, I think, his biggest biggest thing was was stopping anthony davis so uh, that that was huge because he looked terrible anthony davis he <laughs> looked passive he didn't look interested offensively and defensively he was okay but ayton outplayed him at every level of that game which was amazing every, to watch every level and like you said anthony davis was playing just super chill super laid back and i know he's gonna bounce back and be more well i hope he's more aggressive i just want him to be more in the paint ben like he's not in the paint enough he's shooting too many jump shots you know he's catching shooting threes like he's just playing out on the perimeter a little too much for me it was one instance where he was backing down uh, a defender all the way at the top of the key where he probably should have started maybe at the elbow so you're working with three extra feet and making it more harder on yourself because you're bringing the defense over for the help so it was just too many instances of like that for Anthony Davis in game one where if he comes like that in game two it's not going to look good but I don't think he will I think he'll bounce back Devin Booker though awesome 34 points mm-hmm. the guy and, and- this is a great barometer of testing if someone's going to be a superstar or a star yep. for a while. Yep. He rose to the pressure of the playoffs and playing the Lakers in the first round, a, a matchup you may have expected in like the Western Conference Finals earlier on in the year. And he just played great. Not only that, Chris Paul obviously went down with that shoulder injury and he was mm-hmm. out for a little bit during the game. And even when he came back, he wasn't 100%, so he couldn't really do much. Booker stepped up. The guy stepped up, hit shots, hit big shots, 
was able to dictate the offense and run the offense. And the team didn't seem like it missed too much of a beat without Chris Paul. And I think that was thanks to the play of Devin Booker. The play of Devin Booker, kudos to the uh, the role players too. Going, you know, home game, you know, role players step up. So Cameron Johnson, you know, he was out there knocking down shots. And I'm yeah. watching, you know, because listen, you said you picked the Suns, and you know they hit. So I'm yeah. happy for you. But I picked the Lakers. I'm not even gonna lie. Oh, to you. No. I the Lakers. Yeah, they were plus. They were like plus 100, plus 110, or something. I'm like the Lakers underdogs. I'll take it because you're not going to get that too often. You know what I mean? You never go, you know, that's how often you're going to get the Lakers being underdogs with AD and LeBron James, you know. So you try to take that if you can. They didn't win, but, you know, I expect them to play better. But like I said, Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges, Javon Carter, like all these guys were stepping up in the game. Oh, even uh, I think Jay Crowder, too. I got to mention Jay Crowder, too, because he had some uh, big shots towards the end of the game. And so the role players for them, and then, like you said, DB leading the way, Devin Booker with the 34. Hey, we might have a superstar rising, Ben. Suns are going to be really dangerous. (laughs) They're deep. They're well coached by Monty Williams. Devin Booker's uh, he's a superstar. I think it's it's hard to say otherwise. And he's really on that line between star and superstar. But if he wins this series and pushes the Suns deep into the playoffs, it's going to be really hard to say he's not a superstar at that point. He's just he's so good. He's so good at shooting and he and he comes in clutch moments. That's what you want from a superstar, a guy who can lead the team. Now we do have an overreaction. Uh-huh. Same series. <laughs> or no. Now listen, what was gonna happen? I'm scared to even ask you because you might pick, you might say yes. All right. <laughs> the Lakers gonna lose in the first round. <laughs> I'm scared. To is, ask that, you. is that an you? I was terrified. You were terrified to ask that question. I can't believe we're even talking about it. Are the Lakers going to lose in the first round of the playoffs? Now, you asked me this before the Suns game, Suns Lakers first game. If you asked me that, I would have said no. All right. But after watching the Suns, and I know we're probably not going to get another bad performance from Anthony Davis like that. But I just think the Suns are, are too good. Now, if Chris Paul is still hurt, if he has issues with the shoulder. I'll, I'm, I'm okay saying the Lakers are going to win this series. But if Chris Paul comes back and it was just a, a bruised shoulder and, he, and he's able to be back 100% for the next couple of games, I think the Suns are winning the series. I, I think we're going to see Ron and Davis out in the first round. Man, that, that's the overreaction right there. Listen, listen, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> I think Ben might be overreacted just a tad bit. <laughs> I think Brian, I, I don't think LeBron wants to lose in the first round. Like, not this late in his career. I think he'll try to do whatever it takes to not lose in the first round of the NBA playoffs. Now, Anthony Davis, I just feel like, because I feel like he had instances like that, even in, like, last postseason where he might have played bad or played bad in one game and then bounced back huge in the next game. And so, like I said, we're going to see game two. I expect Devin Booker to still perform well. But like I said, DeAndre Ayton, we're going to see how Anthony Davis handles that challenge for game two. Yeah, uh, it's it's consistency, of course. And that's the that's the name of the game once the playoffs come. If you can stay consistent, if Devin Booker can put up 30 points a game in the playoffs, which would be ridiculous. But if he can do that in this series, even you know, 25 points, if he can do that, can. Chris Paul can come back. He can he can contribute 15 and 15 and seven, 15 and eight. I I think that the Suns are so deep. They match up fairly well. I mean, Aiden did a really good job on, on Anthony Davis, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. I, I really like the Suns. Uh-oh. I really do. <laughs> now, I'm trying to find a, a really good price and, and see what the price is for these series. Is. And if you look, I'm sure it changes 
bit by bit. But if you want to still think that the Lakers or the Suns to win this series, they are still the underdog. Oh, they are. At some places. The places I'm looking at right now, they're minus 104 okay. to win this series. And the Lakers are minus 118. Okay. So you could theoretically at some books still get the Suns as underdogs to win this series, which is truly amazing to me. Um, yeah, the Suns in another one, minus 106. They're still the underdogs. So the Lakers, I don't know if they're overvalued, but the way the Suns played in that first game, if, if Chris Paul's going to be healthy, that is really big because we've seen how important he is to this team. Mm-hmm. I think the Suns can win the series. I really do. I'm very confident Yikes. about that. Okay. Very confident about that. Okay. <laughs> so we'll, we'll come back next week, see if I was completely wrong about that. I very well may have been, but I really do like the Suns right now. And I'm rooting for the Suns, too. They're a fun team to root for. They are a fun team to root for. I just can't let Brian go out like that. <laughs> no, that would, be that would be, you know, both these teams got tough, tough matchups in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go over to Madison Square Garden. 15,000 fans in Madison Thanks. Square Garden. And Trey Young shushes all of them. All of them. He shushed them. And I tweeted this out. I said he is bold because that in game one. I saw you tweeted that, too. But I, w- I wasn't sure in what context you were saying that in. Like, were you, I didn't know if he was hating or not. <laughs> I just, it was almost like I couldn't believe that he did that. Game one in the series of a first round game and you're shushing the crowd and yelling right. expletives at them. And that's bold. <laughs> that is a bold move by Trey Young. I don't necessarily, now I bet the Knicks, so I was very upset in the moment. Mm. But I, it was it was kind of funny to see him do that. Yeah, he was, yeah. he was shushing everyone, and Spike Lee was first row. And first row. Oh, uh, you'd have to imagine he was aiming that at Spike Lee a little bit. It's that was bold by Trey Young because he's gonna have he has three more games if he wants to sweep them. There's gonna be more than three games in this series. He has to show up for every single one now <laughs> because if he plays poorly in Madison Square Garden, oh my God, he's gonna be run out of town. Oh, yeah, Tibbs, he's probably going to the drawing board for oh, sure. Because, yeah. what, yeah, 30 and 10? He had a great game, Trey Young. And I like Bajanovic. Remember we had, if we, remember we said, if we had to pick some sleepers on some of these teams, you know, to step up and, you know, perform well, Bajanovic for the Atlanta Hawks was going to be one of those guys. And he was. I think he had, like, 20 points in, like, the fourth quarter or, like, the third quarter of that game, but I got to get some credit too on the Knicks side, because like I said, it was a great game. I actually want the series to go seven. Oh, I, want, I, I want the series to go seven because that's how exciting it really was. And how, you know, Trey Young, you start like, telling the crowd to shush after they're saying F you Trey Young throughout the whole game. Yeah. And, you know, you got, like you said, Spike Lee is on the sideline and he's jumping up and down, jumping jacks with his big old orange shirt. Man, it, no, it was it was fun. Like I said, it was it was so much fun. Alex Burke, he was now he you know the Knicks love when a random player just goes off because then oh, he's yeah. like the next Jordan. I seen a meme <laughs> where it was like Jordan upgrade Alex Burke. Like they were going above and beyond, man. Love it was it. hilarious. But like I said, Trey Young performs spectacular. Bogdanovich was balling. Uh, running the floor, Clint Capella, double-double, of course. Got to have Drew Randall, got to play better. You're an all-star, got to play better. He was only like 6 of 23, only had like 15 points. He got to be better. Absolutely, yeah. You need at least at least 20 from Julius Randall. If you want to have any chance to win this series and, and win games in it, Julius needs to have 15. And, and, you, and you saw Derrick Rose come up in clutch moments, 17 oh, points yeah. for, for D. Rose. He had a clutch shot uh, down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was funny because Taj got the rebound. And he had two guys on him. He could have gone back up, but he, you know, he goes, 
no way am I taking this shot. I do not want this responsibility. So he kicked it out to Rose, and Rose did his thing. He got in the lane and was able to get that game-tying shot. But How did it make you feel? Oh, sad and happy. Mm-hmm. Sad and happy. You <laughs> break that down for me. <laughs> uh, it was tough. I'm very happy that Derrick Rose is finding success in the playoffs, especially with Thibodeau and Taj Gibson at his side. Like, it's great to see, but you always ask yourself what could have been. Mm-hmm. With Derrick Rose 2010, 2011, coming up clutch and, and being his old Derrick Rose self, it's tough to watch sometimes, but it's, you know, it's great to see that he's actually doing stuff and, and, and doing well in the playoffs. I got to tell you, though, don't say old self. Don't put no vintage on there. No, not yet. Rose, he don't like that. <laughs> he doesn't like the vintage, the vintage label. Yeah, so we'll um, we'll have to see. This is going to be a very fun series, I mm-hmm. think. And I think I could, the best one. Oh, yeah, yeah. I could It could easily be the sneaky best one because you've got 15,000 fans in Madison Square Garden, which makes it great. It makes yeah. it really fun. It's clearly <laughs> a fun atmosphere. And you have Trey Young now, who's the most hated person in New York City. Right for now. the next month, <laughs> yeah, at the very least, he's people do not like him, and he is showing out, and it's great to watch that. So you have that rivalry going, you have that beef with the fans and the player and everything like that. The team, the the fans clearly love this team too, and they're a very lovable young bunch. So there's a lot to there's a lot going on in this series. So hopefully it goes seven. I definitely can see the Knicks taking the next game at home. Um, that would be a very tough look for them to lose their two games Ooh. at home. Against the Hawks. Especially when you got the team across the bridge doing what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know what? Let's go to that series. You might as well. We might as well jump to that series with the Brooklyn Nets. Look like they may going to lose that game against the Celtics. At first, yes. At first, being it did look like they were going to lose. And I just appreciate how the Boston Celtics came out in the beginning of the game. Like, I think I, think I might have missed the first, like, three minutes. And I, had came, I came, I walked in. I was like, oh. The Celtics are winning. And then, you know, they, they continue to have the lead throughout the game. And I was impressed. I think they even went into a locker room at halftime with the lead. And so, you know, going into the third quarter, that's when it got kind of different. You know, that's when Kevin Durant and James Harden and Kyrie Irving sort of just woke up and kind of took control offensively of the second half and kind of just, you know, ran away with the, with the win. And so I, I wasn't happy with the outcome. Because you know me, I want to see the Nets lose, especially with the way the Celtics started. But, yeah, it might be tough. Celtics may only win maybe one game in this series. Uh, that series, I don't I, – I wish they both would lose, honestly, if that was possible. <laughs> Just both the teams lose because I do I do not like the Celtics. And I love Jalen Brown. And Kemba Walker's been fine, and, and I like Jason Tatum, but I just don't like the Celtics. So the Celtics <laughs> winning is, is going to be tough, but it's going to probably be the Nets that take this series. And mm-hmm. we saw what they can do, and they are never out of a game because they have James Harden and because they have Durant. They're just never out of it, and that is really tough, and that's why people think they're going to win the finals is because even when they are down in the game, even if they're down 15, 20 points, they, they are always in it. They're always a team that can crawl back into these games because they're never short of firepower. So it's hard to count them out ever, really. And I think at some point, the Celtics even led by double digits. And then the turnaround and the Nets win by double digits, that's that's practically a 20-point turnaround within itself right there. So that just shows you, you know, how much offensive firepower the uh, Brooklyn Nets have. And I don't really like it, <laughs> to be quite <laughs> honest with you. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're just going to be a very dangerous team, and I, this is not going to be the series where they get pushed, I don't think, and I don't think anyone expects this to be the series that they get pushed in, but 
down the road, if, if they're going to meet the, the Sixers or they're going to meet the Bucks, there's going to be some teams that could push them, especially defensively um, for, for something like this with those three superstars. Now, I don't know if you can shut all three down. I think that's probably impossible. But mm-hmm. if you can stop one, maybe even two of them if, with a super defensive effort, then I think you have a chance to win at least a game or so. But it's going to be very, very, very tough to beat wow. this team. My thing for the Nets is what you can possibly try to do. Emphasis on the try. <laughs> Emphasis on the try, man. Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant. That's a cheat code. Probably not going to be able to stop him. My thing is, if you can limit the playmaking of James Harden and, the, and try to limit the scoring effort of Kyrie, then you could possibly have a chance. Maybe. Maybe. You know, because I think Harden's playmaking it goes a little underrated sometimes. And obviously, uh, Kyrie Irving gets in his bag offensively and can make practically any shot at any given moment. So, you know, I think if you try to stop him offensively and limit the playmaking of uh, James Harden, then you'll probably be in good shape. Because if you limit Jokic, well, you saw what happened. <laughs> there we go. Another perfect transition from Zach Badgerhouse right there. So let's talk that, uh, that Nuggets Blazer series because... I, again, on the wrong side of a bet on that one, I like the Nuggets <laughs> in this game. And they look like they they were giving Portland a game and going back and forth, and the Nuggets had a good lead, and then they just went cold. And the Blazers saw an opportunity. They took it, ran with it, got the lead, and never really <laughs> gave it back. And they, I just, the Nuggets just don't have the guard play, I think, mm. to really do much against them. And it's tough because you have Jamal Murray out, so you're relying on, like Campazo, and then that's tough. It's he's he's good, but he's not going to be able to shut down Dame or CJ McCollum. And so the the Nuggets really have to figure out that guard defensive play because are you going to, you know, Michael Porter Jr., big guy, long guy. He he theoretically should be good at defense, but he had defensive lapses in that game. Do you just throw him by his sheer size at Damian Lillard on the perimeter? I I don't know. I don't I know what Michael Malone. I saw Malone a few moments. I saw a few moments like that. So I don't know what the plan is. Um, I don't know what Michael Malone, first of all, and Michael Malone, now Mike Malone, Michael Malone wants to do <laughs> in this game. You don't want him to yell at this podcast for getting his name wrong. Um, it's it's tough. And I love the Nuggets in game two. If we're going to if people want to be betting him, I, I do love the Nuggets. And, and that's that game that we're going to see. So. The Nuggets have been a great backup team, or a, game, a team that has come back after losing. They have done a phenomenal job at doing that, so I do think they can win game two. But, oof, they it was it was a struggle without Jamal Murray in that game one. Yeah, you saw the struggles from the guard from the guard play, and I like that you mentioned that. But the playmaking of Nikola Jokic was very limited. You know, that's a guy who averages about seven, eight assists a night. I think he only had one. He did he did try to carry the scoring low for the Nuggets though. He did have about thirty-four points. No, yeah, thirty-four points, sixteen rebounds, something like that. And then what I like the most, now we can talk about Dane and we can talk about CJ. I saw a fine and dandy. But my headline for that series, the storyline for that series is something we probably never even thought about or even mentioned. Mm-mm. Carmelo Anthony back in Denver. Oh, yeah. Hello, back in Denver, baby. And he was getting booed. He got booed. Did you hear the boos in that series? In the I, that is – see, I did not hear that um, because I, was, I wasn't watching where we could hear it. But that is shocking that they booed him, honestly. That's wild. Mm-hmm. 
I couldn't really believe it either because it's just like this dude did so much. He took him to the Western Conference Finals, the different Nuggets, competed at the highest level with Kobe Bean Bryant. You know, they came up short and he get traded to New York. And then, you know, the rest is history. But he came out on fire, Ben. Lights out. Knocking down a trade ball, turning to the crowd. I was so happy to see it. They talking about Vintage Melo. Ain't nothing Vintage about Melo. He just don't start no more. That's the only thing. He's just not a starter. He still can give you a lot of production, especially in the playoffs. 18 points. Shot well from the field. And even better from the three-point land. Yeah, it's going to be a fun series. It really is. I think it's. I think this is a series that has the potential to go to seven games, and it just it sucks that the Nuggets don't have Jamal because it would be even more of a fun series. And and I want to see both these teams move on, which is why this series is tough for me to watch because I want both of these teams to move on to the next level of the playoffs and at least have a chance to win the title because Jokic is going to win the MVP this season. Mm-hmm. So it would be fun to see him at least have a shot at the playoffs. And then you're going to have Dame and CJ who have just constantly been trying to finally get past that little little line there where they can't make it to to the finals and this could be the year for them to do it they haven't really changed the team up much so they've been trying with the same type of team for for a while now so it would be fun to see them actually make that type of breakthrough Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're finally they got Nurkic. Nurkic really don't be in the playoffs that much for them as of late, yeah. but now he is, so they got him now. So we'll, we'll we'll keep an eye on this series. It's going to be, I think, it's still going to be a lot of fun, and and I, and I think the Nuggets are going to be able to recover and and at least win a couple games, um, at least on at home at the very least. You got to win that game at home in Denver with elevation and everything. You have to win at least <laughs> one at home. Come on, elevation. <laughs> All right, hey, we got the elevation. <laughs> there you go. What was the transition? Luca elevating on the Clippers. He elevated on the Clippers. <laughs> so so yeah, we had, what he do? He told Pat Bev, uh, "What he tell Pat Bev? You're, you're too effing small. <laughs> Crazy. Love this. I like that. You don't see Pat Bev get trolled that often, too. Right to his face. And Luca was you just didn't care." You don't see Luca talking trash like that either. It's the playoffs though, so I was hyped. I was hyped, but I was hyped about it. And he is too small. Why is Patrick Beverly checking Luca? Checking Luca, Ben. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. The, the Clippers did not do a good job with their switches, and I think it was Zubac was on Luca for like six of Luca's field goals, and they were able to get the switches on Zubac. Obviously, Zubac should never have to be guarding Luca one on one. So uh, what the Mavs did tremendously was they were able to get some good switches, use the pick and roll effectively. And the Clippers losing game one in the playoffs in in uh, in classic Clippers fashion, honestly. <laughs> classic Clippers fashion. It, bro, it's so funny, bro. And they were at home. Paul George being pandemic P, playoff P, not showing up, not producing at the high level he's probably supposed to until it's too late in the game when it's probably already put away. Luca with the triple-double. I think that's what, his third triple-double in seven playoff games. That's like a NBA history record. So they better get their act together, the Clippers, before they go down uh, 0-2 because KP didn't play well and they still won. You know, Luca and them still won the game. Yeah. I don't know. I, I really thought that this was the Clippers series to win. I, I was like, I was all in on the Clippers. I'm like, they're going to beat the hell out of the Mavericks. The Mavericks have looked very inconsistent and usually bad most times. They they struggle to score. They struggle to play defense. 
And that was just the complete opposite of what we saw against the Clippers. And maybe it's playing the Clippers that brings it out of the Mavs, and maybe it's playoff time, and, and we're seeing Luka really <laughs> step up, and we're seeing playoff P step down. But I don't know. This this is suddenly a series, and I could easily see the series going seven now when I thought it couldn't go more than, like, five. Really? You really didn't think, you know, they could stretch it? I was, I was thinking at least six for uh, Clippers six, maybe. But now with this yeah. game, it could possibly go seven. What you think? Yeah, no, I definitely think now it could go seven games. And before the series, I didn't think it was going to go more than five. I, I thought the Clippers, you know, this I don't know if this is the year for the Clippers, and I really don't know now. But before the playoffs, I was thinking that the Clippers was – was at it. I, I thought it was it. And you don't think so at all, which is why I, I thought this was the year the Clippers really figured a lot of the stuff out. They have the personnel that they wanted. Paul George can't be this bad in the playoffs every single year, I thought. <laughs> and it's turning out he's in a bad. Can't do it. Not his thing. Chris Middleton. Hey, he looking like Kobe B. Right. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> At least that's what I was telling my friends who did that opportunity to see the game. I said, hey, you might not like this, but Chris Middleton, he just made a game winner. He kind of looked like Kobe on the last play. <laughs> yeah, he, he looked good. And that's the thing, too. And we talked about this on a podcast mm. a couple weeks ago about the Bucks and how bad they have been in the playoffs because Budenholzer has been bad at coaching. And the other reason we gave, Middleton sometimes doesn't step up. And it's all on Giannis. To, to try to make the Bucks win a whole series. And now mm-hmm. they have Drew Holiday, who helped on defense. But Chris Middleton stepped up. And that is huge for the Bucks. They didn't have to give it to Giannis in the final moments. Giannis was covered, and he was struggling at the line and probably not in the best headspace. They gave it to Middleton, and he came through. And that is huge for the Bucks. You get a game with Middleton. You get the Middleton game. Maybe he has a couple more games throughout the series and the playoffs. The Bucks are going to be in good shape if that happens. Yep. But I don't expect Bam to struggle the way he struggled. I don't expect Jimmy to shoot four for 22 because he was terrible. I also don't expect Duncan Robinson to go, what, seven for 13? I think that was all his field goals were three-pointers, man. Like all all his attempts were threes. So he was like seven to 13 or something crazy. I don't expect him to shoot that lights out throughout this series. I think they'll adjust uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. Budenholzer, however, man... I don't really like him, man. No? I, don't, he, I don't, yeah. I'm with you on that, man. Like, I don't really like the way he coached. Like, he may really make no adjustments. I don't like the fact that he continues to have Giannis at the three-point line as opposed to being like around the around the block in the low post area, just so he doesn't have to dribble his way all the way down to the rim, and he can kind of already be there and kind of have that option to you know dump it off to someone else and kind of just have the offense move. Up. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. It's it's bad. And I, we could talk about Giannis missing free throws all day long, which is just unfortunate. Uh, the guy's in his own head. He got called 10 second call, which that was ever ridiculous. Seen. He took 13 seconds. Why are you taking 13 seconds to shoot a free throw? Giannis, come on. And he does better when he goes quicker, I notice. When he goes a little quicker, he doesn't have time to be in his own head. He goes through his motions more naturally. Just shoot a free throw quickly. You don't have to take 13 seconds to shoot a free throw. And you know they're going to be watching in game two for the same. Oh, yeah. Karan Butler's on the sideline, assistant coach for Miami. He He's the snitch. He's the one calling it out. And I like Karan Butler. But he's the one on the sideline calling yeah. it out to the referee to pay attention to it. Smart. 
but it was. Yeah, right. you, know, you know, like the snitches. <laughs> it was. It was smart though, and you know, and hopefully it makes Giannis just shoot more naturally at the free throw. He's not overthinking it because he's overthinking it at this point. He's he's been so bad, and he missed five free throws in that fourth quarter that. He has to be in his own own head about this now. And his free throw percentage every season has just been going down and down. So I don't know the issue and, and what the problem is with it. But, oof, that's all I have to say. That, that's just a bad look for Giannis. And then you may see the Heat just start fouling him indiscriminately mm-hmm. when they feel like they can try to make a comeback and do a hack-a-shack. Hack-a-Greek. Hack-a-Greek. I don't know if that's the strategy, but it might be. Because you you're not going to stop him any other way. So send him to the line a couple of times. And the way Giannis plays, too, in, in just not indiscriminately charging at the basket, he's got to stop. He has to stop doing that. He's going to either be called for a charge or he's going to be sent to the free throw line where he rarely is going to make two in a row. So it's just a useless way for him to play. It's a useless way for the Bucks to play. He should not get the ball at the three-point line. Exactly. Ever. <laughs> ever. <laughs> the highest he should get is at the high post, and then he can go to work. But he should never be shooting these spot-up threes, never even have a shot at shooting the spot-up threes. I just – it's bad. I, there's so many ways the Bucks can be better and more dominant than they already are, and Budenholzer just does nothing with it. Nothing. And they won the game still. They, they still, still won, won the game. No adjustments still won the game. <laughs> Just so, 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 so bad. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens with them. And, you know, the the other series we, we didn't mention was 76ers and the Wizards. And I don't like I don't know if that's going to be an interesting series at this point. It was Wizards played game. really well. It was kind of good at first, and then it kind of wasn't no more. I don't expect Tobias to get 37 points. <laughs> That's true. But how many times do you expect Alex Len to almost outplay Joel Embiid? <laughs> Bro, listen, let me tell you. I, I tweeted out, Alex Len is shooting too much. <laughs> but it was it, that was because, like, at a point in the game, like, he wasn't, he wasn't making those shots. Uh, he wasn't playing very well, but then he started to become a little more more active. But no, I don't expect that to really happen, like you said, <laughs> throughout the series. Yeah, it's the the thing with this Wizards game to me is it seemed like this was the game where they were going to give all of their effort. And if they won, they would be able to use that to play better in game two and maybe make it more of a game, maybe make it more of a series. But because they almost went all out in terms of playing aggressively, Bradley Beal had a hell of a game. Russ didn't. And that's a conversation we could have separately, but because they lost that game, it's almost like, well, the wind's out of their sails. They really tried hard to see how well they'd match up. And at this point, like they're, they're maybe going to get swept, maybe win one game at home once they go back to Washington. But that was the game that they needed. That was the game that they had. They were playing Philly close. They had the lead at points. Yep. Philly was missing easy shots. They weren't shooting well in that first half. That was the game the Wizards could have taken, and they didn't. And when you are that low of a seed playing a good, a good of a team as Philly, you need those chances. You need to take advantage of poor shooting, and you can't have those games where it got away. You know, the 76ers can have a game where it got away and, and they could still be fine, but the Wizards cannot afford that. And that was their game. That was game one. They had it. They had a chance to win it and they didn't. They did. They did have an opportunity to uh, come out and take game one, the Washington Wizards. But like you said, Westbrook didn't play up to par. He didn't play. Yeah. You know, he didn't play up to par offensively. Didn't 
didn't make a lot of shots. Didn't I think he didn't play as aggressive as he should have offensively in terms of attacking the rim in that in that form. I like what Bradley Beal was doing. He was aggressive. Even if he was missing shots, he still continued to stay aggressive offensively, attacking the basket. Man, he's a bucket. Yeah. Like, he's, oh, he's just good. a flat-out bucket. Like He could just go and get a bucket at any point throughout the game. But Embiid in the second half was a lot better than the first half to be able to really put this team away. I think they were struggling a lot in the beginning because Embiid wasn't really playing well and Tobias Harris was kind of carrying the offense Mm -hmm. and that kind of was the reason why the Wizards were able to stay in the game but if you can get uh, enough offense from Tobias Harris and Embiid being Embiid and uh, Seth Curry is going to go out and make three threes in any quarter then you'll probably be fine and they'll ultimately probably win this series. I wanted it to go six it's looking like five now you might think sweet though <laughs> yeah I, i'm leaning towards sweet but i i can see five i can see the wizards taking a game for sure because the 76ers for as good as they have been this season they still have had their games where they lapse a little bit and i think the wizards can still take advantage of that and if you can have like bertons playing well and locked in he can hit a three from anywhere on the court and you have bradley beal who is able to just play aggressively 33 points he had. I don't see him scoring less than 30 in every <laughs> one of these games, but you need Russ. You need the good mm-hmm. Russ. Yep. And he has been bad as of late more often than he has been good. And he took terrible shots and he was trying to bank it in and it was just going wide left. Way right. on the other side of the backboard. I saw that shot too. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, there was a chance the Wizards had to, to tie it up late in the game and, or at least bring themselves within one possession. And he just stepped out of bounds and he didn't throw it to anyone. He was off balance. And that was a weird move. He just, he has had a couple games where you're like, he looks off and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's pressure or if he's hurt or what it is, but they need Russ to be 100% Russ, and he has not been recently. And that's the only way they're going to have a shot at this series is if Russ plays like old Russ. All right, what's NBA Twitter talking about this week? We uh, will go to what NBA Twitter's talking about. A lot of stuff that they're talking about, of course, and people making fun of Trey Young and obviously with, with his shushing in Madison Square Garden. But the first thing I want to talk about was Nate Bjorken with the Indiana Pacers. And we know the Pacers were knocked out of playoff contention and they look terrible in their last game. And there's been issues all season long with coaches yelling at players and a, and a player mutiny with Nate Bjorken. And I don't know if he's going to be back next season. And it doesn't look promising because head management was talking about, they haven't made a decision on him yet. And they said that he was bad at human management, which whatever is that <laughs> whatever that means. I take it to mean he, the players and him did not get along which I don't know why you bring a coach back if him and the players are not getting along. That is not something you want to start fresh with for next season. <laughs> but I do know a couple Pacers fans who are really well uh, ready for him to be fired and see that he's a bad coach. And I, I think it would it would be good for them to get rid of him. He just doesn't seem like he's ready to be an NBA head coach. And the name that has been brought up, Zach, and let me let me see what you think of this. But a coach with this team who's going to have T.J. Warren back, they're going to have an offseason with Karis LeVert to get associated with the team, get the chemistry up. What do you think about David Fisdale for the Indiana Ooh, Pacers? I like that. That's a, like, that's, that, it fits. It's it a match made in heaven. And I'm going to tell you why. That's his MO. David Fisdale is grit, grind. That's Indiana. Like, that's what they're about. Yeah. New York, it was kind of the same, but I think the the, the the market, the size, like, it was too big. Like, it was too big for Fizzle. Yeah. I think a team like Indiana, that fits 
perfectly for a yeah. Kingsdale. Like, like I'm thinking, like, that's just so crazy because the Memphis teams, you know, he brought them to life. He did what he could with those teams down there in Grind City. So, man, in a way that the Indiana Pacers play, they're going to fight. The bench mob is going to fight, too. Yeah. Like they're going to come in, and they're going to provide that same spark that he's looking for on both ends. If he's the head coach, I like David Fisdale yeah. as the potential head coach for the Pacers. I like that. I think it's a really good fit. I mean, their starting lineup can potentially be you'll have Brogdon, you'll have TJ Warren, Karis LeVert, Miles Turner, Sabonis. Like, that starting lineup's really good, and then you'll have a pretty solid players coming off the bench. If you have David Fisdale, a very player's first coach, you know, every player has something good to say about David Fisdale. I think the Pacers could be really dangerous if they make that move. If they make that move, they have to get rid of Bjorken because he's been he's been trash. Get a player coach. Fisdale, I think, is the right move for that. I like that. I like that. Could be good. People talking about Pandemic P on Twitter, as always. It's Can't sad. play a playoff game without people talking about Playoff P, Pandemic P. I hope his mental health is okay when it's all said and done. But, man, that brother be struggling. <laughs> that brother struggles when it comes to the playoffs. It's unfortunate. And this is a question I got for you. You think Kawhi going to leave if they lose in the first round? Or if they don't make the finals, you think Kawhi going to leave? He's going to leave? I don't know. I, I would be surprised if he did. Because what, you know, what team at this point could he go to? Like the, the Suns, I guess. I, 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 where else does he want to go? Like I just couldn't figure it out. And someone said, what about Houston? I said, well, I mean, they got the young guy, Kevin Porter Jr. He'll probably blossom and be a subpar all-star. John Wall, he, he has to stay healthy. But I do like Christian Woods, at least. Like I like I like Christian Woods. He's gonna be an All Star if not next year or the year after. Like, he's gonna be an All Star. He goes out there and can produce 24 points, 12 rebounds, make a couple threes, uh, defend on the, on the defensive side of the ball. So uh, it can work. You just gotta get him some supporting cast in terms of like a, a supporting bench, not just those young guys that are rookies or borderline G League players, because he's gonna want more than that. But you know, the idea of Kawhi in Houston isn't so bad necessarily. No, him and John Wall would be a very interesting pair uh, with Christian Wood, too. I mean, I think you could have a good foundation, but I just I don't know why he would want to leave the Clippers situation. Now, if something happens with Paul George and he goes or they trade him or whatever, like I could see him possibly trying to leave. But he's in Los Angeles. He wanted to end up in Los Angeles. He's got really good management behind him. Balmer is a great owner. Yep. Um, they've got, I mean, Jerry West is, I think, one of the better talent of evaluators in the league. And they have the the infrastructure around him to continue to compete every single season. So I don't I don't know why he would want to leave and I don't see him leaving. But it would be very interesting if they are knocked out of this first round by the Mavericks. If major changes are on the way and he's like, I'm out. I want to go somewhere where that not that's not going to happen. Hey, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. And he didn't, you know, he kind of brushed aside the idea of re-signing with the Clippers. So we just have to wait and see what happens. We will. We will. We will. <laughs> so that's going to conclude this edition of the Points in the Paint podcast presented by Stadium, the number one NBA podcast from Stadium. <laughs> yes, sir. I am Zach Batcherhouse. That is my main man's Ben Wittenstein. Make sure you follow both of us on Twitter. Make sure you follow Points Paint on Facebook. 
and on Twitter. Make sure for all your NBA Association news, you follow Shams on Twitter. And you make sure you catch Trash and Treasure with Eddie and Felder. They drop every Thursday great content. And let me find out my buddy Ben got another podcast that he wants to drop bombs on that they just started. Tell us about that point, that uh, that podcast, Ben. Yeah, we're going to have – you're coming on pretty soon to talk okay. about NBA bets because the playoffs getting spicy. We're going to have you. But, yeah, Sharp Lessons, the newest sports betting podcast from Stadium subscribe rate review it whatever you want to do we're trying to come out a couple times a week we had an episode come out today so we're gonna have zach on to, to give us his best uh, nba parlays for the playoffs you can be our parlay guy <laughs> same game parlay all the way there baby. you go that's the move sharp lessons yeah go subscribe which uh we'll, we'll hopefully win some people some money all right and you'll hear from us next week <laughs>